and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by none other than Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, this is it. This is the top <laughs> eight of our league table predictions. How excited are you? I'm absolutely buzzing. My voice will never give it away, but I truly am on the edge of my seat, just brimming with joy and excitement to get this get this out to our listeners. Right now. I can tell by your face, your voice on the other hand, you're absolutely <laughs> right, is giving nothing away. Um, well, we may as well crack on straight away with it. Welcome to the number one championship specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Just a quick reminder, as always, we've made this table by just making a table, me making a table and then merging them together. And that's how we've come to this fantastic agreement which is our uh, full championship <laughs> table predictions and um, it is also worth mentioning the transfer window still got a month left so a lot could change in that time particularly with these teams near the top who are clearly fancying to do quite well this season but before we get underway let me tell you listener about our friends at FansBet, the fan-led sports betting company committed to supporting charities and causes which are important to fans do check them out by clicking the link in the description of the podcast and claim your 200% sports deposit bonus of up to 200 pounds exactly what you need if you've got any pre-season accumulators that are been plotted over the past couple of weeks or for your first game of the season accumulators terms and restrictions apply full details on site 18 plus please do gamble responsibly visit begambleaware.org for more info and do also check out fans bet responsible gambling tools we'll start things off with the team we have in eighth place justin and that's millwall now ladies and gentlemen i'll let justin peach take the lead on this because he had millwall in his top six I certainly did. I obviously in our last uh, our episode last week, I fancy Millwall to be a dark horse, and um, I, I do think this is the year they bridge that gap and enter the playoffs. Um, and it's down to a few reasons, really. I really like their summer. I think their recruitment has been brilliant. I think arguably they've had one of the best windows in the league uh, so far. They've plugged gla- uh, gaps creatively. Uh, Jed Wallace. It almost feels like that. The, the, the blow has been softened by who they brought in. They've added two really good, hard-working midfielders at this level, George Honeyman and Jamie Shackleton. Really excited by Shackleton. I think, he's, he's firstly, he's versatile. Secondly, he's been part of that Bielsa model. He's been he's been developed through that Bielsa model. Um, so, uh, And obviously, with George Honeyman, you've got one of the hardest-working players in the league. So really do fancy Millwall to adopt a... Fairly aggressive press um, this this season. Uh, that that would be an intriguing transition if if Raoul does opt for that. And then obviously you've got Zian Fleming, who's a little bit of an unknown, but statistically and physically looks like he can fit very well into um, into the championship. And that would be a nice a nice little um, bonus should he should he perform. I think the only the only doubts that cast my mind is whether Benny Kafobi and Tom Bradshaw can be the two forwards needed to score the goals. I think Afobe can. I think Raoult pointed out really importantly that um, Afobe grew in confidence as the season went on last season and I think he ended the season well. So I think he's going into this season more of like the the Afobe that we that we grew and um well grew to love um throughout his period at MK Dons and Wolves. Um and that's it, really. I really do fancy Millwall for the playoffs. I think any team, for me, 10th and above, has a good chance of finishing in that top six. Yeah, I'm also excited by Millwall. You didn't even mention young Tyler Bure, who's an exciting mm-hmm. talent. Certainly one to watch this season, see if he uh, makes um, an even bigger step than he did last season. 
And the reason I put the brakes on and didn't go full throttle into Millwall being a top six side for me was because of Zion Fleming. A lot depends on how well he takes to the championship. Um, Considering Millwall don't get the wallets out for players very often, you'd expect them to be confident that he will be able to you know, slip straight into a championship side considering they spent £2 million on him. And then the other concern was the same that I had, Justin, um, that you mentioned just then. Um, a lot depends on the fitness of Benek Fobe. Tom Bradshaw's good for a few goals a season, but I wouldn't want him as my number one choice for a prolonged period. Who knows, they may sign another striker to provide a bit of competition up there. Um, but that's the only concerns I've got, really. Otherwise, I'm very optimistic about what Millwall can do this season. Um and I think it could be one to remember for Lions fans, mm-hmm. and they may even go higher than we've put them in our table. Who have we got in seventh place, Justin? We've got the Canaries, Norwich. This is a this is an interesting one because they're the the first parachute payment team, well, first season parachute payment team that have been relegated from the Premier League to uh, to to no, that we're speaking about. And um, yeah, I think for me, it's down to a lot of question marks around recruitment, around their quality of personnel that they've got there at the moment. And the lack of succession planning from the success of the likes of Emi Buendia, Marco Stieperman, Christoph Zimmerman, players like that. And obviously, they need an Oliver Skip type player. I don't think they've got one of those in their team. They're going to rely very heavily on Timo Puki to score goals. I'm wondering where the creative is going to co- creativity is going to come from. Kieran Dow's got to step up. Todd Cantwell's got to have a season like he did two seasons ago. Um, obviously, last season he had a he had a poor campaign, didn't really make too much of an impact at Bournemouth either. So, for me, a lot of question marks. But one thing I will say is defensively they're looking pretty tidy. Two of the best wing backs or full backs in the division. I really like Grant Hanley at this level. Yeah, there are just a lot of question marks down to the quality of the squad, whether it can compete at this level um, as it has done in the past, and whether they need more in the team. Yeah, I'm also sceptical about Norwich. I'm convinced they wouldn't have got promoted last time around if they didn't have Emi Brendia. And now is the time for them to try and figure out other ways to win games. And I've been umming and ahhing about how many goals Timu Puki will score without Brendia's service. My gut instinct, he'll still score a healthy number of goals considering yeah. his tallies from the past couple of seasons have been remac- uh, remarkable. But I struggle to see him get him nearing the previous tallies that he's managed. And I'm also not sure about the midfield. Is Rashica staying? I don't know, but he didn't pull a penny trees in the Premier League anyway. So he's not someone who I'm fearing as much as other players who have come down from the Premier League. It's been a while since we saw Todd Cantwell at his best. Gabriel Sara's joined for six million. Mixed reports on whether that's a good deal or not. Isaac Hedden's a big shit house. Kieran Doyle's not. Uh, Kieran Dow's not someone who's ever particularly convinced me. The defence is a positive. Bar any changes over the next month, it's the same defence that got promoted. I know Max Harrens has been linked with a move away, um, but otherwise, that's a very sturdy defence. Possibly the biggest question mark of all for me is the manager. Can anyone honestly say for sure how good a manager Dean Smith is? Any success he managed at Villa can easily be caveated by the fact they spent a lot of money. And I think this is the real test for him to show how good a manager he is. Because otherwise, I don't think you can really make much of a claim for him being a top manager at this level, Justin. Just because of how his spell at Villa was, where he had a lot of backing. Yeah, it's... it's... 
It's an interesting. I like Dean Smith a lot, um, and that's mainly because of his Brentford spell. But at Brentford, they were underdogs, and he goes to a Villa team who, as you say, had the squad brimming with quality, and they were all side before he came in. Um, and then when he came in, he, he propped up the squad with the likes of Tyro Mings, um, players like that. They signed a couple in January who, who propelled them uh, even further. Uh, well, propelled the quality squad even further. So expectation again differed. Um, I imagine if he'd if if he'd have come straight from a Brentford spell, um, there'd be a higher regard for him. But perhaps it is marred a little bit by Villa and their spending and um, possibly the the lack of success under him in the Premier League. I, I thought they could have really kicked on, and they might do under Stephen Gerrard. They might not. But I think it's fair to have question marks over Dean Smith. But I think especially at championship level with expectation on him. He has delivered before with Aston Villa. So, yeah, I can, I can see why you're on the fence. I think I am as well, but perhaps leaning towards him being good enough to, to push a team up in this uh, at this level. Let's move on to the playoffs, Justin. Which team have we got sixth? We've got Burnley. Now, Burnley are an interesting one for me uh, for, for a lot of reasons. A bit like Norwich, actually more so, less, less, less like Norwich. They're in a transition, but I do think their squad is looking healthier with the signings that they're making this summer. The likes of Harwood Bellis on loan, Egan Riley, I think, is a tidy signing. Um, uh, Luke McNally as well, a centre-half. They're really good pickups, along with Josh Cullen in midfield and Scott Twine. I'm really liking the, the balance of the team. And you look at the, the wing-backs as well, Charlie Taylor, Ian Martin, and then Connor Roberts on the right. That's a healthy healthy wing-back situation they've got up at Turf Moor. I think the only question marks you've got really are can Vincent Company blend this team together quickly to be a success this season? Because I wouldn't be surprised if they finished 10th, for example, mainly because they are transitioning to that 4-4-2 Brexit ball under Daesh to this more uh, transitional, progressive style of playing the company. Yeah, I didn't have Burnley in my top six which may raise a few eyebrows. And while Burnley have got a cracking squad, I think it's a marvellous squad, and I'll go into that in a sec, I just struggled to put all my eggs in the Burnley going up basket with Vincent Company in charge, because he is an unknown. His spell at Anderlecht wasn't amazing by any stretch of the imagination. So it's interesting that Burnley have gone for him, and it'll be interesting to see how he takes to championship football. Um as a manager so he'll have to get the best out of the squad I think it is a really really talented squad Scott Twine is someone in particular who I think a lot of eyes will be on next season to see how he takes to the championship but I'm confident that he will be as much of a success in the championship as he was in League One um, the midfield's looking really tidy they've added plenty of players there as well the likes of Josh Cullen um, and then players have stayed over, the likes of Josh Brownhill, for example. The defence is looking tidy. Connor Roberts was one of the best wingbacks, in fact, probably the best wingback in the division a couple of seasons ago. Ian Markson, someone I rate, and I think um, I, I, I'm disappointed they've lost Nathan Collins, but I think they could live without him. Um, the striker situation's interesting. I'm not sure who their first-choice striker is going to be at the time of recording. Um but when you've got someone like Mate Vidra, who has a proven record of scoring at this level, then he's not a bad option to have, is he? So I think the squad is really, really good. If they had Sean Dyche in charge, for example, I'd feel more confident about them going up. But because it is an unknown, like Vincent Company, it's hard for me to put them above other teams in our 
predictions. I also get the sense with the young but talented players they brought in, the likes of Twine, McNally, etc. It seems to me like they're kind of saying, well, it's fine if we don't get promoted this season because we've got a squad which will be even better next season because they'll all be a year older. So that's the kind of vibe I'm getting from Burnley, Justin. Yeah, I think that's why I think they could easily finish below sixth. And that's why I've, I think I, I can't remember, but I, might, I may place them in sixth in my table. But I think sixth, sixth is probably a fair assessment because they've got the potential to finish in the playoffs, but they could easily just fall short as well. And as you say, big transition in their squad, moving out the old guard, bringing in the new, it, it, it can take time to settle. And I think, you know, I'd, I'd like to see Vincent Company be a success. But I'd also like expectation to be tempered um, because I don't think... Again, Burnley is a very unique situation because of the debt, because of needing to sell players, because of needing to pay off that debt. They won't have as much room to wiggle in terms of finance. I know they've spent some money so far, but they've also sold a couple of players as well. Yeah, a lot of question marks about the teams who have come down, isn't there? Let's go to fifth place, Justin. We've got West Bromwich Albion. Now, I was saying a few weeks ago, West Brom will have the best squad in the league on paper. That's not changed. It's a fact as far as I'm concerned. But do they have the best manager? No, they don't. Is he capable of getting West Brom promoted? Yes, he is. So we'll start off with the positives. As I was alluding to a second ago, West Brom's squad is absolutely filthy. A front three of Carl and Grant, Darryl DK and Jed Wallace. There's the potential there for each player to get 20 goal contributions. It's truly remarkable having three players as talented as this um, in the same front line. A midfield of John Swift, Alex Maurer and Akai Yukuzlu. You could take any of these players and drop them into an average Premier League team and mm-hmm. they wouldn't look out of place for me. And then a defence of Townsend, O'Shea, Bartley, Furlong. A few complaints for me there. I can easily see them bringing in more players over the next month as well. So this squad is insanely strong. The negative is... Can Steve Bruce get them promoted? Because he failed to get a very talented Villa side promoted on more than one occasion. That led to him being sacked. Um, And while I do think he gets a bit of a bad time for how good a manager he actually is, I do think he is a good manager. Um, I'm just not convinced he's the man to get West Brom's promotion over the line. Yeah, he's got a lot of attacking talent at his disposal. And as you say, the potential for goal contributions from that uh, from those players is is uh, it's quite remarkable. Um, uh, his last success at Championship level was with Hull. They had a very good squad, but even then they 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 fell short and had to go up through the playoffs um, in their in their last promotion season in 2015 2016. So I think you're right to have your doubts, but at the same time, I think I feel that this squad. I mean, it was the same last season, but I feel this squad is too good not to at least compete in the playoffs this season. And if he can find, if he can replicate the defensive form um, last season, as well as the attacking form, because they created a lot of chances, one of the best chance-creating teams in the division last season, um, they will easily finish in and around the top two. Uh, but as you say, it's just whether or not, firstly, the players, whether or not they can perform at a high level consistently. And secondly, whether Steve Bruce can can get it out of them as well. Really impressed with the signing of um, Akai Soklu. I think that's the final piece of that midfield puzzle needed. He's a ball winner. He's a, dis- um, a, a destroyer. A very good, very good player. And West Brom fans are up, um, uh, delighted for him to, to come back in. So, yeah, I, I do think this is one of the best squads in the division. Easily, easily. And I think the big thing is they only need to add squad players now. 
that's how impressive the 11 is at the moment, the starting 11 is. Yeah, 100%. The other question marks, in fact, the only question marks you can really have about the playing squad is, will Daryl DK prove to be the goal scorer they so sorely missed last season? And will he stay fit? Staying fit is going to be the big one because he missed basically his whole West Brom career so far after joining in January um, because of an injury. And will he be the goal scorer that they missed because they needed a clinical goal scorer. He was brilliant at Barnsley a couple of seasons ago. Who knows if he is going to be that devil DK. The other one I had is fullbacks and wingbacks because West Brom are going to be playing with a four at the back next season from the looks of it because that's how Steve Bruce wants to play. Townsend and Furlong, I see more as wingbacks, particularly Furlong. I think Furlong had a bit of a mixed season last season. So how much of a how much permission he'll be given to, you know, go forwards and be a nuisance, I'm not too sure. But that that would be the only concern for me in terms of the playing squad, because otherwise you can't really make too many complaints about it at all, can you? Justin, let's have a quick break. After that, we'll go on to our top four. To the second tier podcast. It's our league table predictions, and we've finally reached our top four. Thank you so much if you've listened to the first two episodes so far and the first half of this one. This is what you've been waiting for. The teams we have in our top four. If you've managed to do the maths and figured out who is left over, you may have a good idea who is coming up. Well, you should have a good idea anyway. Um, in fourth place, Justin, we've got Watford. Now, a lot of Watford's success depends on who stays and who goes for me. The fact is, if the transfer window closed before the season started, and that meant they had Ishmael Assar and Emmanuel Dennis, they'd probably be even higher in this league table, wouldn't they? On the other hand, if they both leave, I'm not sure I'd put them in my top six. That's how much them staying depends on a how could, could decide um, their season. Emmanuel Dennis got double figures in the Premier League. Imagine what he could do in the championship. He could score an absolute shed load. And then Ishmael Osar is simply too good to be playing at this level. But otherwise, the remainder of the squad is still very strong in itself, isn't it? Yeah, you're spot on. Uh, I was looking through the squad depth and I was still really, really impressed by it. And um, there's a really nice blend of, as well of, of, of you know, really good youngsters coming through and experienced players still there. You've still got the likes of Dan Gosling, Tom Cleverley, they're still on the books. Obviously, Truster Kong and Cathcart as well, two leaders at the back. Um, and then you've got the young players like Ngakia, Kina, Jao Pedro. Um, and then you're mixing in with that, that that extra star factor with the likes of um, Emmanuel Dennis and Ishmael Asar, who are two real, real bonus players. Yeah, it's a really good squad and, and one that I probably haven't given enough credit for. Um, in my in my thinking, um, but yeah, I'm I'm really impressed with what they've got, and I could easily see them, as you say, finishing between fourth and top, especially if they keep Saar and Dennis and and Imran Lazao as well. They're 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 a re- they're a really good unit, and I'm really intrigued just to see how Rob Edwards can blend it all together, um, because as I say, they they are really good selections of players there. There's a good mix of as youngsters, players in their prime, and experienced players as well probably one of the more well-balanced squads in your division. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can do. And if if Sorin Dennis could stay as well, 
Ooh, there's going to be some goals. There's going to be some goals. Well, Dennis and Saar, the reason I say I'm not sure Watford would finish in the top six if they both go is because I think they provide that X factor that just makes them a different machine to any other team in the yeah. division. If they both go, I think they'd lack that X factor. But you look at the players they have got who can play alongside them. João Pedro could be a sensation this season because he is yeah. such a wonderful talent. Hassan Kamara, Kiko Femenia will be excellent on either wing. The defence is mostly made up of players who got them promoted last time around, which is not a bad thing to boast, is it? The one concern I would have is the manager, because Rob Edwards is coming in after one season in management with Forest mm-hmm. Green. But as we well know with Watford, if it isn't working, they'll just sack him and get someone else in. So that's why Watford, they could very well be a success, whether Edwards is a success or not, really. Do you see what I mean? Spot on. I think well, this is the last time they were in the Championship, they, they had Vladimir Ivic. And it was boring, bland, really horrible to watch football. And then um, Isco came in and things improved. They came, became more possession-based and they looked a lot more attractive with the, the ball. It was literally two different teams. And that's down to the quality of the squad. Um, and it's the same again this time around. So if Edwards doesn't work out and they do bring somebody else in, yeah, the, the squad's capable enough of, of, of competing at the, uh, at the high end of the table. So you really cannot discount Watford um, going into the season. So, yeah, they're a team I'm really looking forward to, to watching and, um, really, yeah, got to keep an eye on, uh, got to keep a close eye on how Dennis and Saw go because, as well, Everton have been terrible in the pre-season, in pre-season. So they could panic. They could panic and, and pay over the odds for Dennis, which may sway, which may sway Watford. In third place, Justin, We've got Watford's big rivals, Luton Town, which may raise a few eyebrows. But the reason they're so high is because I actually had Luton in my top two. (laughs) Now, that will certainly raise a few eyebrows, I'm sure. But let me explain why. Nathan Jones has this remarkable record with Luton, where he's managed to get them to finish higher than the season before in just about every season. Now, keep that in mind. They finished sixth last season. And I don't think this squad is weaker by any means. Sure, they've lost Cal Naismith, but I think Reese Burke, Tom Lockyer, Sonny Bradley, Gabriel Osho can step up in his place. Now, going forwards, they're definitely stronger. Corley Wardrow and Carlton Morris coming in both have shown with Barnsley that they can be very dangerous at this level. Sure, they didn't have a great season last season with Barnsley, but before that, they were both fantastic. Alfie Doherty's come in to add more options on the left. Goalkeeper was an issue last season because they kept getting injured. But they've strengthened there too with Matt Macy and Ethan Horvath coming in. Now, Nathan Jones might not be everyone's cup of tea, but you cannot doubt the job he's done there. And I do not see that momentum stopping anytime soon. So I think Luton will surprise people once again this season. I saw some fans saying they could do a Barnsley this season. That is absolute bollocks. Not going to happen in a million years. And I think Luton will once again relish the underdog um, name and really cause a few problems. And maybe, just maybe, go all the way and finish in the top two. I could tell you're excited about Luton. I really can. I, I had them to finish outside the playoffs, didn't I? So I'm, I'm probably not as as high up. But I don't think a place outside the playoffs is a is a is a bad season by any means. Um, because I do think they've got that potential to to compete again to get into the into the top six. Um, but it's hard not to get excited about Luton Town this this season. You mentioned Alfie Doherty. He had a, a nice factor on that left hand side and. 
a bit more of a composed attacker than Amari Bell, for example, who's much better defensively. Uh, you didn't mention Luke Freeman, my my wild card. Uh, I'd, I'd pick him uh, over any other free agent any day. I think he's a really good, interesting pickup, and and again adds a um, a deciding factor in those tight games that Luton can find themselves in at times. And let's say, for example, Adebayo gets sold. I don't think that would be a massive blow at this point because Luton has still got a very capable forward line in the likes of Cornick, Woodrow, Morris and Jerome. Um, and then there are, there are other players in and around the, the, the squad as well, like Mendes, Gomez and, and Musquet as well. So, yeah, it's a really exciting time to be a Luton Town fan. And as you say, if you can let players go and it not be that much of a big deal, you're in a very healthy place squad-wise. You're in a very healthy place recruitment-wise as well. So really good place to be. And I, I do think they will compete for promotion again. Just depends where. Well, yeah, you didn't put them in the top six. So that's why you hate Luton so much. Maybe Justin Peets, ladies and gentlemen, is falling for the um, little old Luton um, mistake that many clubs have made over the past couple of years. But uh, I'm very high on Luton. Um I've been high on Luton for quite some time now and I think this may be the season where they pull off the ultimate shock of all and get into the Premier League. Let's go to our top two then. Justin, second place, we had Sheffield United and it was actually Justin Peach who had them second in his table. Why did you have Sheffield United second in your league table, Justin? As far as squads go, I think Sheffield United is probably best equipped to start the season today, for example. If the season started today... Sheffield United have the the best most all-round squad available. Forward areas is packed full of goals. We know what Olympic Burnley and Ream Brewster can do if they can find form. There's potentially 40 goals there. We've seen it in the past. Um, and if they can't, you've got Daniel Jebison waiting in the wings as well, who I think will have a very, very good season this season. Whether he goes out and loan to another championship club or he's with Sheffield United, Daniel Jebison will score goals this season at championship level. Um and then you know, there's Illiman and Dai as well, who, again, I think will have a big breakout season for Sheffield United this season. I think he'll replace the goals that Gibbs White has is, is vacated. And then wing-back areas, they're the strongest team in the division in terms of full-backs and wing-backs. You've got Jaden Bogle and George Baldock on one side. Max Lowe, who was an outstanding player when he was fit for Forest last season. And then you've got Norton Davis and Ender Stevens as well. There's so much balance to the Sheffield United team I cannot see anything other than a promotion challenge this season um, and I think a, a full season under Hecking Bottom will do him well because based on points per game last season they, they would have been there or thereabouts with him last season had had they not um, appointed Jukanovic yeah really excited West Fodrigan as well West Fodrigan save percentage was the best in the, the league last season he was statistically the best keeper just didn't play as many games as the likes of Nichols and Travis so you couldn't really put him in that that conversation so I'm really excited about the Sheffield United team. It's got goals, it's got clean sheets, it's got balance, it's got depth. I'm not even mentioning Billy Sharp. He's going to score goals. He always does. He'll score goals since he's 90 years old. He's, yeah, what a team. Yeah, I think Sheffield United is certainly a very safe bet to concede the fewest goals next season. They they didn't really need to strengthen at the back, but they've done it anyway. £5 million new signing, Arnel Ahmed Dozovic could be a brilliant player at the back, but even if he's not, take your pick from... Kieran Clark, who's joined, Egan, Robinson, Basham, O'Connell. It's a ridiculous standard of defender they've got, isn't it? And I don't know if you mentioned Tommy Doyle. I can't remember if you did, but he's joined on loan. Someone I've been waxing lyrical about in recent weeks, Justin. He could be brilliant in midfield. But they've also got Berger, Norwood, Fleck. 
there are so many quality players in this team. It's going forwards where the concerns will lie. Because no Morgan gives White, and they relied a lot on him last season. There's a lot of pressure on the highly rated Ilman and Dai to fill that void. He grew into last season, so now should be the time for us to see what he's all about, and hopefully he will fill that. And then, as you say, old reliable Billy Sharp up top. Could Ryan Brewster get back to his levels? You hope so. Could young Daniel Jebison be given more of a go? I'd be interested to see it as well. And I also think Paul Heckingbottom is a really underrated manager at this level. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to like about Sheffield United. Plenty of depth, plenty of quality in that depth as well. Good underrated manager um, who's still keen to prove that he is a good manager. Um, it's only going forwards where I'd have the slightest concern, but Ilman and I could have a season that makes that look very silly in uh, 12 months' time. So we'll have to wait and see on that front. And then just top of the table, Justin, is worth saying we both had this team to finish top of our respective tables. I don't think that's ever happened before, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think we've agreed on the team to win the league. But we've gone with Middlesbrough. And I don't know about you, Justin, when I put my league table together, I started off by putting Middlesbrough top. They were an easy bet. Um, And there's, there's a variety of factors as to why that's the case. Wilder's plugged gaps. Um, Wilder's plugged gaps this summer. Uh, Daryl Lenahan's come in, I think, is one of the signings of the summer, in my opinion, because he adds that balance to that back three that they will need next season. I think I've likened it to when Sheffield United brought in John Egan as a piece of the puzzle that needed to happen. And Lenahan fits that fits that bill. And then you've got Ryan Giles as well, who's going to lift the load on Isaiah Jones creatively. Could easily see Ryan Charles getting 15, 20 assists next season. I've seen his assist record in, in pre-season already. The man's a, I don't know, he's just such a wonder of a left foot and, and so good going forwards. It's going to be it's going to be really hard to um, to nail Middlesbrough down next season. And again, if Isaiah Jones can hit the similar levels as to what he did last season, again, there's there's creativity on both flanks. Um, the, only, the only issues are that the forward areas need adding into well, the main reason I put Middlesbrough top of my table is because of Chris Wilder. He's the best manager in the division. Simple as that. He's a phenomenal tactician, a brilliant man manager, and gets the best out of every player that's at his disposal. Defensively, solid as a rock. Paddy McNair, Dale Fry, two of the best defenders in the division for my money, and they've added David Lenahan in there as well. That is a back line to be feared. Um, Zach Stefan's come in from Man mm-hmm. City. Um, I think that's an exciting signing. He's very highly rated at Man City. Every time I saw him play for Man City, he was a bit dodgy, but I'm sure that was just the main blips um, that I saw. But otherwise, he's very very highly rated and can play out with the ball um, from his feet. Isaiah Jones and Ryan Giles, as, as far as wing-backs go, that's just remarkable, isn't it? Having mm-hmm. two brilliant wing-backs who are very different wing-backs but both fantastic the midfield of Crooks um, Housen whoever's going to play there really they've got yeah, McGree um, as well um, plenty of options there in the middle of the park it is just the striker position but they will sign a striker before the window ends I'm 1 million percent sure about that and um, they could probably do with a couple of strikers actually and maybe another player who can add that spark that will be left by uh, Marcus Tavernier but apart from that I don't have many other faults with Middlesbrough and I think um, having Wilder in charge is the big factor for me the other managers who we've had below some are very good but Chris Wilder's in a league of his own for me Justin yeah I think the easiest way to assess it is 
I mean, other than not having senior strikers who reliably score goals, there aren't any weaknesses in that Borough team. And as you say, Chris Wilder knows how to get promoted. He's an innovative an innovative coach. His teams will play a high pressing style of football. They will play, they will play it and pass it around. There's yeah, as I say, there's not many weaknesses other than adding a number nine and a, a another goal scorer into that team. It's almost a complete side. Maybe they're not as strong squad wise as the likes of Sheffield United or uh, or West Brom or even Watford as well. But Wilder knows how to utilize a squad. He knows how to get promoted. Um, and you'll know how to win the big games against the uh, against the top teams, and you just cannot overlook that in the championship. You cannot overlook that experience, and as you say, that's that's the reason why you see uh, he's the best manager in the league. And that's the reason why Middlesbrough. That's the reason why we've picked Middlesbrough to to finish top this season. You're absolutely spot on. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. These have been our league table predictions for the championship this coming season. Let's do a quick roundup, Justin, then. In bottom of the table, we have got Rotherham United. 23rd, we have Birmingham City. In 22nd, we have Reading, the other team to go down. In 21st, we have Wigan Athletic. In 20th, we've got Huddersfield Town. In 19th, we have Blackpool. 18th place, Cardiff City. 17th, Blackburn. In 16th place, just have to scroll down to him, is Bristol City. <laughs> 15th, we have Sunderland. 14th place is Preston North End. And in 13th, Stoke. Into the top half now. And in 12th place, we've got Queen's Park Rangers. And in 11th place, we have the Tigers, Hull. 10th place, we've got Coventry. And in 9th, we've got Swansea. Into the top eight. And in 8th place, we have Millwall. In seventh, we have Norwich. Sixth place into the playoffs is Burnley. In fifth, we have West Brom. Fourth, Watford. Third, Luton. Second, going up automatically, Sheffield United. And the title winners are Middlesbrough. There you go. Spoiler alert, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's how the championship season is going to end. <laughs> so there we go. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. These have been our league table predictions. The wait is over, ladies and gentlemen. Championship football is back. We will speak to you next time on Sunday to talk through the first round of games in the championship. And I cannot bloody wait. So we look forward to seeing you then. Thank you for continuing to listen during the out of season. It's been... A struggle me and Justin trying to make content in that time but we bloody went and did it didn't we so pat on the back for us Justin and a pat on the back for you listener for continuing to support us along the way we truly appreciate every single one of you and uh, we look forward to speaking about football again with you very soon this has been the second tier podcast we'll be back again on Sunday I've been Ryan Dilks I've been Justin Peach thank you for listening 